Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. Today's guest is the co-managing partner of AMROP, where she specializes in board and retained executive search and leadership consulting across APAC and globally. She serves as a council member of AESC, which is the Association for Executive Search and Leadership Consultants for the Asia Pacific and Middle East. And she leads the financial services practice in Asia Pacific for AMROP. And like myself, she is a lifelong learner, and from that, she also created the Pereza Collection. I hope I'm pronouncing all of these things correctly, and you can, you can correct me later when we get to those parts, which delivers immersive leadership retreats with curated business and lifestyle content for board and top-level management. Her philosophy, according to the website, Quote, it is easy to join the crowd. It takes courage, resilience, and hard work to stand alone, unquote. And I just love that. She has lived all over the world and is currently with us today via the magic magic of a stable Wi-Fi connection from Singapore. Welcome, Cecile Huffer, to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. Oh, I'm so excited, Joanne. Thank you very much. And uh, to speak to you all the way from Singapore, as you just said, you know, it's really on the other side of the globe and we're talking very different time zones as well. So thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Yes. For those who who don't know, it's a full 12 hours right now, but I think it switches to 11 hours at some time of the year. I can't keep track. I have Singapore on my world clock, so (laughs) I I know when I might be speaking to you. Uh, but before before we even start, I just want to let listeners in on how I came to know you, because I think it is a great example of how people, as myself and yourself, brand each other online and the, something that the Internet has done that was a good thing. Sure. And I had been writing, I was really writing a lot of blogs then. Now I seem to have moved myself over to do more podcasts these days, but I'll get back to the blogging. And you had liked, you've been reading what, I don't know how it came up, but you've been reading what I wrote and you reached out to me and you were very specific in how much you liked it and would I be open to connect? And I was like, well, why wouldn't I be open to connect? I just got complimented and this woman <laughs> looks <laughs> looks like a, delight, a delightful person. And we just, be, and it's been years now. I really don't know how many years. Um, you oh, have referred clients to me. You've referred clients to me. And, <laughs> and hopefully once the pandemic's over, um, there'll be an engagement <laughs> and I'll get on a plane and go to the other side of the world. But um, it was really a delight. It's kind of incredible what we can do in a positive way through the magic of the internet. Absolutely. Um, Well, um, I'm, you know, I reached out to you that time. I thought, wow, this woman has really something to offer, Um, especially, um, you know, your part of the world is much more outspoken than in the part of world I live in. And it's refreshing to have someone speaking about creativity, about branding and, and in a way which is not just only for the bookshelf. You know, it's something which you can basically, well, through the lines, even through the profiles where we, we connect with the social media, it is just full of, full of energy. And that's why I reached out to you. 
Yeah, and it's uh, thank you so much, and I'm so glad I said I said yes. But then again, when people send nice notes, it's kind of hard to say. It's hard <laughs> to say no. So I know right now you're in Singapore, and um, and I believe that you are just starting to come out of a lockdown again. Is that right? Yeah, well, um, we're still in a sort of lockdown, I must say, um, very restricted in movement. We have, In fact, I haven't been traveling outside Singapore for the last uh, 18 months. So I haven't traveled further than 20 kilometers, could you believe? So I think we're all ready to, all ready to get on the plane again, wherever that can take us, but just to travel. Um, yes, but Singapore has virtually, or I would, I must say, almost zero uh, cases. Um, but um, they're very cautious, and I'm very blessed um, that I've been able to live in this country during the pandemic because the government did a great job. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it's it's. Um, I'm so glad that you're starting to come out of it again. Zero cases. That's that is pretty impressive. It is. And I know you, you travel as a matter of, that's part of your life. So to not be, have been on a plane for 18 months is, might be yeah. the longest ever. You Have you ever been on, not been on a plane for 18 months before? Um, well, not in my adult life, I guess. Yeah, there, there you go. Um, so, but can you tell us, I always like to start with telling, asking my, my, mm. my guests where they are from. Okay, that's a little bit of a, um, a mixed story. So I have a lot of different blood in my genes, I must say. Uh, include, including gypsy blood, would you believe? Um, I suspect it's somewhere from Persia even, um, which is, you know, in the modern language today, it's Iran. Um, but that ex- may explain also why I'm drawn a lot to the Middle East and Asia. I love its ar- architecture. I love the light. Um, and that's probably also why I reached out to you, because I thought your, your storytelling and your, the way you, you present what you present is so full of love and light. So anyway, um, other than that, I was born in Germany uh, to immigrant Hungarian parents um, with, as I said, French and, as I said, Middle Eastern roots in our blood. Married to a Swiss, and I lived the past 26 years, would you believe, in the Middle East and Asia Pacific, where from about 16 years in Singapore. Um, so from there, um, um, I moved to Australia the first time. Well, I lived in Australia actually three times in my life. Um, I joined a global Italian company uh, in the freight forwarding sector of luxury brands uh, in, from Europe, like Gucci and so on, you know, all the fancy stuff. And um, that was sort of really a novel that time in Australia that a young woman um, sort of leads a or becomes leading a business. I then became regional manager in Australia. Um, I met some fascinating people. Um, ventured alone to the very exotic places like Pakistan in the 80s. Uh, a fascinating experience. So that's quite a while ago. You, you are truly a global citizen. Definitely. Definitely. So and just to wrap it up quickly, from there, um, I went back to Switzerland um, for a stint, very short. I moved on to Saudi Arabia for six years. Boy, what that an adventure of my life. Um, and then from there to Singapore, back to Australia, back to Switzerland, and guess what? 13 years later, back to the place I love as much, um, as best as of my home, which is Singapore. So my whole heart and life is here. Um, when I moved back to Switzerland that time, I was single again, and the mother with two young children um, in tow. Um, I was heavily impacted in my career, joining one of the largest executive search firms that time, and the rest is history. 
Um, so um, this is actually what I'm doing today. Um, I co-founded um, our own company then together with my husband. And uh, yeah, we both love what we're doing, 365, 24-7, as you say. We spend our working life and private life together and leading the company here in Southeast Asia. Wow. Working with your husband 24-7 in a pandemic. It's not for everyone. That, <laughs> <laughs> that, could, that can really test, that could really test a relationship. <laughs> I could definitely really test a relationship. Um, I know um, you, I love how you word the company's focus and values. It's not just what you do, mm -hmm. but how you do it. Our business processes and actions and communications reflect ethics, discretion, empathy, integrity. These are all my favorite words. It just, I sometimes wish that more companies were actually sharing these values. Yeah, exactly. Um, They're big words, um, hard to realize in um, sometimes, but um, I think you need to have stick to, to your true North Star. And um, luckily, I've met a lot of people in my life, um, you know, leaders and executive aspiring leaders, um, young people um, who, who do that. So yeah, obviously, you have the other coin as well. There, there you go. So there's a lot of conversation of late about leadership and about mm. what the workplace will look like as we return to a more normal life, whatever normal means. I'm mean. not really sure. Um, but I'd like to start with leadership since that is, is what you do. How have, how have you seen leadership change during the pandemic or has it? Um, I think it has to a certain degree. It basically, I would say, weeded out um, the ones which are not really leaders and leaders is a big word, you know, um, but we partner with boards and executives who um, really um, act as true leaders who stand behind their people. And especially in times um, where, you know, you have a, a head of time, which we just went through, you need people who, who stand in front of you and ahead of the pack and, um, I think we've seen quite a lot of them on both sides of the world, be that in, in Asia, be that in Europe or the Americas. Um, uh, but I think these, these stand out and we all know them. Um, and um, I think we can actually be proud of, proud of that, that we live in a generation where you can um, be a little bit more open and increasingly more um, outspoken and where, you know, innovative Uh, creative leadership is is leading the pack. Yeah. Um, do you do you think that companies have started to reassess what they want in leaders because of this? Are they looking more for certain qualities, or is it not really no, that I much different? I don't really think so. I think um, you need the same you need the same um, characteristics during bad times and good times. But I think in bad times, you you have the ones who you know who stick out. Um, the flag up in the air, those are the ones you want to follow. <laughs> um, what about employees? There's a lot of conversation about employees mm. reassessing what they want from their employers and obviously from, from, from their leaders. Well, obviously I'm talking, um, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the geographic um, area of Asia Pacific, which is extremely um, diverse 
Um, you know, we have um, emerging markets, we have frontier markets, we have mature markets. So it, it depends a little bit which um, market you're talking about. But all over the place, I would think uh, what has surfaced that younger people find it a bit harder than the older, more mature um, or settled um, executives or, or workers um, to adjust to times like this. We also here in Asia have obviously a different understanding how we live um, or just the circumstances are different. We live predominantly with um, parents in, in one household. So it's not that that uh, independent living life you, you enjoy in the States um, in, most, in most cases anyway. So that puts a different pressure on people, um, you know, how they can work, how they would like to work and how they can actually uh, work so you know there's a there's a multifaceted um, complexity to that so there's a lot more multi-general households still in that Absolutely. part of the world I, I see a resurgence back here in the states yeah. um, I was talking about this with some friends who now have their adult children living with them full-time and um, and that's not uncommon it doesn't seem like it's uncommon yeah, it's very common here that, um, you know, there's at least two generations live together all their life in, in maybe in two, three bedroom flats um, or houses, uh, smaller houses. This is a, I'm talking majority. I'm obviously not talking the, you know, the, the minority. And, and that puts a big impact on how you how you can work. Um, so most of them from the younger generation would love to go back to the office because, you know, that's where they sort of, you know, are out of the house, they have space. That's a big problem. We have space. We are, you know, if we live in, in, in Singapore, at least we live in a very uh, small place. And it is important that you have um, the freedom to, to work in an environment where you can, you know, basically develop yourself and working from home uh, in a two bedroom flat with, parents and siblings and um, grandparents living in there as well. I think that's very difficult. Having said that, um, there is a trend here that uh, people adjust and um, some of them now obviously favoring to work um, from home as well. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, to see what's, what's going to happen. Um, so what do you think makes a good leader in this new world so to speak i don't know if it's a new world it's just an adjusted world really but i think one what, of what the, do you look for, what do you look for when you're when you're looking for candidates um it depends a little bit um on the environment um again i'm talking about a a sector of the, or part of the world which is very multifaceted but in my view a leader needs to be inspiring and needs to be trustworthy and definitely has empathy. And so those are all personal um, criteria or skill set. In terms of professional, I would say it needs to be someone who is, <laughs> I'll come back to what we do um, you know, in our other business, to be a lifelong learner, um, able to uh, be agile in terms of change and transformation. That's the time we're going through and in, in a much faster speed than uh, maybe in the past. Um, and who um, is empathetic. I think that's empathy. That's the word. Um, that I think is, is on top of the list. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean, it, it seems that of late we've noticed that there's been a lack of it in the world. It's mm. such a hard thing. It's a hard thing to teach. 
I think you're raised with it. Um, I know I've read that if you read a lot of literature or watch stories, you are much more open to empathy because you're, you're, you kind of get yourself into, into the perspective of, of another human being. But it's a hard skill to teach. It's or do hard, you think so? Yeah. It's a hard um, skill to teach. And I don't know whether you can actually teach that. I think you need, you probably grow up with it. I think these are values. It's built on your values. And, um, you know, I think that that stretches our conversation today where these values should start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. You're, no, you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, so the Wall Street Journal did a piece recently that said mm. that U.S. workers are quitting their jobs more at any other time in two decades. Now you have offices in 45 countries. Do I have that right? I believe that's what, uh, yes, that's that, right. I, yes, the research mm-hmm. that I did. Um, is there a, is that, do you think that's a U.S. centric trend or do you think this is happening more globally? And, and what do leaders do then to keep workers? You know, turnover is expensive. Um, I think that's a world wor- worldwide phenomenon. Um, even here in Asia, Pak, you see people um, leaving their jobs um, for different reasons, I must say. Um, I think here we have a lot of people being posted to Asia and suddenly companies and individuals realize, hey, I can do this job from, from my home or from Bali or from, I don't know where, you know, an exotic island. And um, this has an impact um, on, on, the, on the hiring, definitely. Um, and it is uh, very hard for companies now to to adjust to that thinking that, um, you know, you can suddenly have a remote workforce, um, a hybrid workforce. Um, it, it has its pros and cons, obviously. And um, but um, I think that's where our next generation is going to show us where this is going to lead to. And what what do you think? I mean, there's so much, so many people that, that goes into the whole, my next question, which is really about this whole work from home thing, which, you know, I'm personally, I'm a, a fan of a hybrid model. Um, I don't believe that people should never go to an office, especially when you're young. I, it's where you... Are going to make, make your friends, friends yeah, and, and exactly. build and build relationships. Um, and I still think, as great as this is right now, and even though our listeners can only hear us, we can see each other. Um, this this works, but you know how much better is it when you're actually sitting in, in, in front of someone? Um, so, but what do you think is going to happen? Do you? I mean, and I'm kind of surprised at the number of offices that have said no. You're absolutely going back. You know, we're hearing that a lot here in the city. Well, you gave people the, the taste of freedom working from home and you can't just pull the carpet under their feet again and say now everybody's flogging, has to flock back to the office. I think eventually it will level out in a hybrid model and the companies who offer this will be the winners in the market. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, let me see here what, I, what I've got here, all my different questions. So I've been hearing a lot about these stories about the number of interviews for job openings. Oh, my God. Now, I, I have hired people in my career. I don't hire people these days because I work, I'm, I'm, I'm independent. Um, and I hear these stories of, you know, seven, eight, nine interviews. And, and I'm like, what is going on? What is the big decision? Or are we just so deep into data that we don't, we can't see our ways out of it. And what do you think about this? Well, um, I don't think it has only something to do with data. Um, I spoke to someone the other day. She said she had 25 interviews. Would you believe she did 
25. She didn't get the job, by the way. But, you know, 25, <laughs> that, <laughs> 25 that, that's, I mean, you know, that's beyond imagination. What can you, what can you assess after a 23rd or 24th interview differently than after interview number three or number four, which is basically my answer to your question. Um, I do think that it requires a few rounds of interviews um, with different people. But the longer you send someone through the through the machine of interviews, um, there is a, I would say, a fading away of, um, of objectivity after a while. Um, and the person number seven, number eight, number 10 who's interviewing you, even if it's the same people, you, your, your observation veins. Um, what else can you see after number eight? Um, if you don't understand an executive or whoever sits across you um, after, let's say, the second or third round, well, I think you are, you're in serious trouble um, and you shouldn't interview people. I think the problem is not so much data. It's also that um, during pandemic, and obviously we had a lot of um, um, redundancies, recruitment has also been put in hands of people who maybe did research before, but never really interviewed people. Um, a lot of companies hired people from our industry, researchers, uh, which are you know, the life and bone of our industry but they haven't really been exposed to interviewing people, assessing people, never mind having the long, you know, long experience or, um, yeah, and also academic background for that. Um, so I guess um, that is one, one downside that people can't make a decision. And um, this is a talent market. Um, it's an employee market. It's not an employer market. And I think that is something people need to start understanding. Yeah, it's just I, I I keep I can't even I can't even imagine somebody asking me to go on that many interviews. I and I have heard stories of people just saying, you know what, if if you don't like me now, that's it. I, I'll go someplace oh, yeah. else. I'm oh, not, yeah. and I fully understand that. Yeah, but but I can I can see the difficulty in interviewing because I think interviewing is a skill, and I think interviewing requires empathy. Yeah, to really it, as the interviewer. Um, of course, you know, people have argued this one with me, but when I started interviewing, I asked the guy who hired me in the business, I said, I don't even know, like, what what kind of questions should I ask? And this is really hard. And he goes, and he gave me some questions. He goes, but you also need to ask yourself at the end of the day, could you sit down and have a beer with that person? Because you're going to be spending a lot of time. And in that environment, it was a sales environment. So you spend a lot of time together. And if your answer is no, then you really probably don't <laughs> want to hire them. Now I've heard other people say, well, that's ridiculous. That should have nothing to do with anything, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, um, I think, you shouldn't have a, um, a a uniform set of questions for each interview and every interview. Um, I think you need to adjust. Um, and we talked about empathy before. Um, you need to be able to um, to grasp who sits across you um, and put your ego aside, put the hidden agenda aside, and really try to understand the person. And um, I think we are all biased and uh, it's that we also have to work on ourselves to try to be or remain unbiased in an interview. Um, you know, companies um, extend basically their, their HR to us. We are basically the extended arm of, of HR. And um, you can only know so much about culture um, and, and diversity and all these uh, very modern words these days, uh, which are essential for hiring. But 
to have a bespoke discussion with someone, you need to prepare yourself, A. B, you need to be able to express empathy. I'll come back to that. And you need also to be able to tell a candidate, well, you know, I don't think this is quite right for your career development. Um, even though you have a, a, an, an assignment to fulfill, um, it is important that you put the people you interview first and your mission second. So in terms of interviews, um, what questions to ask? I very often go with the flow. Um, obviously, there is a certain set of uh, key criteria I have to, to ask or uh, to address, but not um, I'm not going by a set standard, um, you know, tick the box, the sort of thing. Well, it's a you are probably like different than a lot of people, <laughs> right? Because I think that's what happens with people who haven't interviewed pe other people. They get a set of questions and it becomes, you know, it just be, it's just like, check, check the box. You've got the answer and there's not um, a conversation, so, so to speak. You can so do that online, basically. You can do, <laughs> you can get that part, of, you can get that part ahead of time. So you and, um, and your company here have also, you have an extension of your company and we mm. cannot leave this conversation oh without God. talking about the Pereza collection. Did I say it properly? Absolutely. I, Pereza collection. Okay, good. Um, and I love, I love the quote from it. Knowledge doesn't retire. Oh, I just love that so much. Um, of course, you know, you and I share the lifelong learning thing. So can mm. you tell us about this aspect of your business? Well, maybe I explain also what the word Pareza means. In Sanskrit, it stands actually for heavens of all heavens. Um, oh. Yeah. So we, when we looked at the word and um, what we should choose, we didn't just want to say, you know, um, I don't know, an extension of our current company name or what have you. We thought we want to have something which um, speaks to the language of the region we're in. So Sanskrit obviously is an ancient uh, language, but it also fittingly, you know, fits into the cultural aspects here in Asia. So what we do is actually we define um, high-level leadership retreats for for the global business com community. You know, the, the birth of Parisa began. I'm, I looked at my um, at my Rolodex and I said, "Boy, I do wow! I do know a lot of people." Many. And um, so that was basically the, the, the birth of the company. Um, uh, it ticks all the right luxury and very exclusive ingredients for a corporate um, bespoke offsite. Um, we include leisure. We include uh, learning and all in very beautiful locations. Um, most of our clients are longtime clients. So you know, the board members, C-suites, uh, executives, and increasingly also the younger generation or the next generation. Uh, and we hope to be able to travel again soon. And that's when we can restart our our itineraries. Um, would you believe one of our favorite destinations is the Maldives? So, um, and luckily, you know, we are we monitoring that um, they um, uh, are the, the area of uh, Asia, which has the most vaccinated people. So this, we, our hopes are high that we can start in Q1 uh, 20, what do we have? 2022 um, with the first retreat again. And obviously, um, Joanne, this is something I, where then I would like to pick up with you. What we talked before the pandemic, that you will be facilitating one of the leadership retreats for aspiring leaders and, and teach them, you know, a trick or two about branding and marketing. Oh, you know, you know, I'm in. I'm, I'm just, just 
I'm going to make sure I was there. There's, well, there's a whole thing right now in the U.S. Apparently, the U.S. passport office is so far behind that people are ta- it's taking forever to get a new passport or oh, if you really? let it expire. And I thought, go check your passport. Make sure it hasn't. I don't think it's close to expiring, but just in case, you better start the process now um, in, in case you, you when time when you're able to get to get out of the country. So obviously your business, how, how did you adapt? Were you able to adapt not being able to travel during this? Well, I can't believe it, it's, it's more than 18 months now. I'm, I'm losing track of how long yeah, it's Yeah, well, it is crazy. But, um, you know, most of our clients um, sit in Europe um, with their headquarters, the regional headquarters are here in Asia. And we're used to, to speaking, let's call it online. Zoom is our best friend. Um, and that has sort of increased during the pandemic. Um, I think that's the only difference. Our business was steady um, with a little bit of a dip um, in the second quarter, like everybody else, I guess. Um, but we are back to normal, um, actually exceeding um, business in 2019 at, at the moment, which is great. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, we're just, you know, we are pretty relaxed at the moment. And um, just hoping that um, we can travel again. I think I can it just boils down to that. And then we can sit face to face, you know, uh, in meetings and uh, have a conversation and a good drink together. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, we, we could have a martini now, but it's way uh, too early in the morning for uh, you. And I still, I, I still have not done one of these podcasts with a martini in my hand because I'm a little bit afraid of what might fall out of my mouth. <laughs> We should, we should, and you should invite Stanley Tucci for that. He's famous for his martinis. I know, right? I know, I know. I watched his entire series, the CNN series. Have you seen that in Italy? It was just. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get it here. My husband is following it on Instagram, so he he's um, ushering me with all these drinks over the weekend, trying out all and each single martini of Stanley. So. I think your title is just fittingly. My husband's going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do like to wrap up with just a quick little lightning round of some fun things. Mm. So are you game? Are you game? I hope you're game. Um, So what is your favorite social network? My favorite social network. Um, Good question. Um, Is LinkedIn a social network? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Yes, it is. And and by the way, to those who are listening, which I encourage you to follow, follow Cecile, um, she does a great job. You do a great job on LinkedIn. Oh, thank you. And you know, I don't say that lightly. I don't say that lightly. You always share great things and you always personalize them with what you think. So it's really what I call, you know, excellent personal branding. Um, Something people would never guess about you. I'm a runner and I run a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the last series you binged on Netflix or whatever your streaming service of choice might be. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say, but we'll watch the whole Friends episodes again. I wouldn't be embarrassed at all. <laughs> I, have, I, I, I watched... <laughs> Virgin River is one of my new favorites that I found. The third episode, the third season launched on Friday. And yes, I admit that by Sunday, 
I had watched all 10 episodes. It was like, get a life, Joanne. But I loved it. And it was just total escape. Total escape. Um, the most used app on your phone? Um, it's WhatsApp. There you go. Food you cannot live without? Almonds. Ah, almonds. Mm-hmm. And what you miss most about pre-COVID life? I could kind of guess this answer. but <laughs> What should I say? Should I say travel? Yes. That's what I figured you were going to say. What? Anything you think you might miss about what life getting back to normal? And again, I use that word normal loosely because I don't know what that means. Probably the freedom just to get on the plane without doing stupid tests. I mean, sorry, I, I should rephrase that with stupid, but without doing tests, yeah. Yeah, just you know. Yeah, no, it's it's the it's the annoyance. I I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, what advice might you have for people who are looking or comp- companies hiring or people looking for jobs right now? Um, always be um, interesting if someone con- interested if someone contacts you. You never know what it really is, what they can offer you. Um, have a purpose in life and uh, follow that and don't get stuck in, you know, in fear and um, just remain on one, one chair in one office all your life uh, with one company. Um, you know, change is happening. And um, yeah, I think it's actually my motto, always stay in motion. Always stay in motion. I love that. That's, and that is such excellent advice. It's not something that I followed while I was in corporate. I stayed in places way too long. But I always tell anyone who asks me their my advice that move because your career will yeah. advance further and you will learn more and and you'll you will you'll develop more as, as a person. So there's lots of places where people can follow you. And I highly encourage everyone to follow the present collection on Instagram because those pictures are just to die for as far as I'm concerned. I can't wait that you uh, join us there, and Joanne, and unpack your suitcase in a very, very nice place. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm so oh, delighted pleasure. that we did not lose our connection once during this entire Wonderful. recording. Um, so yay for that. That's a great thing. But thank you so much for, for joining me today. I appreciate that you invited me for this one. Thank you so much, Joanne. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note. Info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember... Whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there.